Today's guest is Dr. Robert Malone, one of the earliest and loudest voices warning about the COVID vaccines on the special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against a uniparty and deep state and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 373 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Thursday, April 20th, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time, a lot of people having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious to me the last U.S. presidential was sto- presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refused to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Our guest today is Dr. Robert Malone. His latest book is entitled Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming. It has been called a guide for the times, breaking down the lies about COVID-19 and shedding light on why we came to believe them. It includes chapters by names you might recognize, including Dr. Pierre Corey, Ed Dowd, and Dr. Paul Merrick. When he invented the original mRNA vaccine technology as a medical and graduate student in the late 80s, Robert Malone could not have imagined that he would become a leader in a movement that exposes the dangers of mRNA vaccines that billions of people have received, too often without being informed of the risks. For voicing opposition to the so-called mainstream narrative, Dr. Malone was censored by big tech, vilified by the media, but he continues to speak out and alert the world to the web of lies that we have all experienced. From vaccine safety and effectiveness to early treatments like ivermectin to lockdowns, masks, and more, Dr. Malone is the signature dissident voice telling the other side of the story about COVID, the role of corporate media, censorship, propaganda, and the brave new world of transhumanism promoted by the World Economic Forum and its acolytes. What effect did the COVID policies have on lives, livelihoods, and democracies? How is it possible that the lies spread by governments would persist and that our institutions would fail to correct them. The book, Lies My Government Told Me, takes a hard look at these questions and illustrates how data, information, and psychology have been distorted during this pandemic. Governments intentionally weaponized fear to mold behavior. The media smeared anyone who objected to the narrative and Big Pharma. Aligned with larger globalist interests, exemplified by the likes of Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum, had captured the agencies that are supposed to regulate it long before the pandemic began. Dr. Malone explores these perverse connections between pharma, government, and media and tells us what can be done about it. Robert Malone is the original inventor of mRNA and DNA vaccination technologies way back in 1989 with nine issued patents including DNA and RNA vaccination, as well as in vitro and in vivo RNA transfection. 
He's a specialist in clinical research, medical affairs, regulatory affairs, project management, proposal management, vaccines, and biodefense. Dr. Malone holds numerous fundamental domestic and foreign patents in the fields of gene delivery, delivery formulations, and vaccines, including DNA and RNA, mRNA vaccines. His medical and scientific expertise includes virology, immunology, molecular biology, pathology, and pharmacology. As we delve into the reasons why he has been maligned, you'll hear things that may shock you today. I rarely give such a comprehensive introduction, but he certainly deserves our respect, gratitude, and admiration. It's an honor to welcome Dr. Robert W. Malone to the Doc Washburn Show. How are you today, sir? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm, I think I'm exhausted. I'm going to have to go get a coffee after listening to that. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was not my intention today. Let me ask you, I would suspect most of the people listening to our interview are people like me and that we had to take biology courses in high school, memorize a lot of terms to pass tests, and then as soon as we got out, forgot all about the definitions of uh, words like endoplasmic, endoplasmic reticulum, Golgi bodies, eustachian tubes. On the other hand, you were one of the young men who used the knowledge you gained in high school biology as a foundation to take much more in-depth courses in college and eventually become a doctor. So for many years, you have been steeped in knowledge those of us outside the field of medicine don't have and probably would have a hard time understanding. Is it a challenge for you to try to explain important concepts of biology, physiology, and medicine to those of us who don't have the same kind of education you have? Well, I do my best. Uh, the uh, um, esteemed physicist Richard Feynman once said, if you can't explain a concept in normal language, and you don't really understand it. So I think I understand this tech, and I do my best to help people to understand it also. Great answer. Great answer. I appreciate that. Okay, I mentioned in, in my um, War and Peace introduction there that Big Pharma and the mainstream media try to pigeonhole you as an anti-vaxxer, a conspiracy theorist, a, a, a kook fringe guy but you've actually developed vaccines. Why do they say such bad things about you? Well, that's a good question. I guess I'd have to get into their heads to figure it out. It's, it's, uh, what, what we're dealing with is the same kind of stuff that the politicians deal with on a daily basis, which is this information warfare strategy that's employed in a very partisan way to uh, delegitimize people who are going against whatever they do narrative is that's being pushed, whether it's through corporate media or by the government or both. So basically, because I run into people all the time who have no idea, how are the COVID vaccines different than previous vaccines? Well, uh, remember that there are a number of different COVID vaccines. There's 10 or 15 that are approved by the World Health Organization. Only three that are available in the United States, two of which are based on mRNA. One is based on recombinant cold virus called an adenovirus. And all three of those are of, of that category are, are genetic vaccines or their gene therapy. There's a fourth one now called Novavax. It's a, sort of a more traditional, but it's made in caterpillars. It still produces the full-length spike protein, and it still has a lot of the same spike protein associated. 
Okay, you're 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 kind of you're kind of breaking up on us. Could you maybe get closer to a window or something? I don't know if it's a cell phone issue on your end or or, or what. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm I'm doing my best. I have three bars. It's sounding to me like it might be on your side, but uh, I'm doing what I can. Um, so in any case, uh, the uh, the vaccines that we're all familiar with the RNA vaccines and the adenovirus vectored vaccines are gene therapy applied to vaccination. And uh, that makes them very different from any prior vaccine. The closest thing is a live attenuated vaccine like flu mist or the uh, original smallpox vaccines or the original polio vaccines that were live. So, but but gene therapy changes everything because, um, well, maybe you could explain this to 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 my listeners. Uh, obviously, since since you were one of the developers, uh, no better person than you to explain this. So what it amounts to is that you can go direct from a genetic sequence of a virus to a vaccine because we can easily manufacture DNA and RNA. So that you can take genetic components, genes of a virus, and put it into your cells so that your cells will make virus proteins without making whole virus. And that way, hopefully, mount an immune response that's very similar to what would be mounted in your body if you were actually infected. But it turns out it's not as good as natural infection. If, if you're being naturally infected by something that will kill you uh, with high efficiency, like, say, Ebola, then that's not a very good idea. But if you're being infected with something that has a low probability, it's actually better probably to get infection covered from it than to take some of these products. So what did you think some months back when one of the uh, executives for Pfizer testified to the European Union uh, Parliament, a, a guy named Rob Rose, a uh, member of the Parliament out of the Netherlands, asked her about testing the vaccine before it rolled out, and she just kind of chuckled at him and said, no, we didn't have time to test the vaccine for e- efficacy because we're moving at the speed of science. Yeah, that's... That, uh uh, mirrors the language that's been used by some of our public health officers. Uh, and they also use the, the phrase that um, they had hoped that things would work. In in the case of what Ruth managed to extract from that vice president, and I'll be seeing him in two weeks in Brussels for more testimony. But, uh, and I've, I've met him previously. I met him at CPAC here in D.C. But, uh, what he managed to get out of her was that they had not done any testing to prove basically that these things would work. And they just assumed that they would, just like our public health officers assumed that they would. And uh, then deployed that through mandates and everything else all over the world without any clear evidence that it would uh, these vaccines would, in fact, be effective. And we now know that they aren't. They do not prevent infection, replication, or spread of the virus, and they do not prevent uh, disease or death from the virus. Those are facts. Uh, No question about it. We're speaking with Dr. Robert Malone, author of the new book, Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming. 
Sir, what's your opinion of Dr. Anthony Fauci? Dr. Fauci is a very experienced uh, bureaucrat administrator who uh, speaks as if he, he has been trained by the CIA. He certainly uses a lot of the tactics that are used by trained CIA officers. He's very adroit at uh, misleading and misdirecting or redirecting questions. He, it's now clear from the documents that have come out that he lied in congressional testimony uh, regarding the gain-of-function research. And I've watched him my whole career. He basically runs a cabal that has dominated American biology, particularly infectious disease biology, my entire career. And by the way, he has been rehired by the federal government. So he's currently pulling in more in his retirement in, in his retirement compensation than the president makes for his annual salary. And then on top of that, he's now getting additional consulting information, uh, in, I'm sorry, consulting payments from the government, and he's been assigned six officers from HHS to provide protection and drive him around D.C. Uh, it's an amazing story. Uh, he's he's uh, clearly learned how to work the bureau. But as documented in uh, RFK Jr.'s book, Bill Anthony Fauci, uh, he's left a wake of tragedy and death in, in behind him as he's progressed through his career. No doubt about it. Um, what did you think when you saw the video of Buffalo Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, collapsing on field at Paycor Stadium, Cincinnati, during a Monday night football game, January 2nd? So I, that was an interesting time because my friend Charlie Kirk made some comments and was immediately attacked by the press for them, and they were really quite benign. There was a, a clear attempt to deny the possibility that he had had a uh, cardiac event associated with vaccination, and there's no way for us to know what actually happened because since he recovered, and thank God for that, for his family and everybody else, uh, since he recovered, he's refused to talk about what the physicians, his physicians, have said, and it appears that he's been told to basically shut up. So he certainly showed the signs and symptoms of people that have had these various types of cardiac damage. They're often high-performing male athletes, in particular, and uh, it would be a tragedy if the force were what caused that problem for the young man. But I, I fear that that might be the case, but we'll never know for sure because he has the right to uh, hold his medical information confidential. I want to respect that right. Well, in the last 24 hours, he did finally come out and say it's commotio cordis, which makes no sense because his uncle said a couple of days after he collapsed that they had to defibrillate him again when he got to the hospital. So speculation yeah, is running wild. I, I, if that's... I, I don't want to second-guess his position yeah. or his integrity, uh, but I did not. It, it would be very odd if that was the case, given the nature of the blow that he received and the fact that he had protection on and that it was a glancing blow from his head. So uh, it would, it would uh, be a very odd situation if that was the case, but perhaps it was. Uh, per, perhaps, like you say, we, we may never know. What will be the legacy? I'm sorry, what? I have, I have certain ethical boundaries. Yeah. And uh, so so it's not for me to 
to speculate about the health history of, of uh, someone else. I think that's we just have to. I think we just have to kind of let it lie. There's plenty of examples of uh, unexplained sudden death that are associated with vaccination. We don't have to just focus on that unfortunate young man. Right. Well taken. Point well taken. What will be the legacy of the lockdowns, mask mandates, and vaccine mandates? So I was just at uh, Bobby Kennedy's kickoff yesterday in Boston, and he spoke in particular about the lockdown as clearly having created enormous harm all across the world. And the data are quite clear that the nations that did not lock down, such as Sweden, did much better than those that did in terms of all-cause mortality, which is really the only thing that matters, uh, is, you know, we all the data have been contaminated by various forms of bias, but the insurance actuaries collect true all-cause mortality, and excess all-cause mortality absolutely includes any potential death or harm from the vaccine, but also suicides, drug abuse, uh, um, all kinds of things that happened associated with those lockdowns that we already had the data that showed that those would be the effects. It's uh, Bobby makes the case in his uh, talk yesterday that Mr. Trump did many things that were good, but um, in this case, the uh, claims that he was rolled by his bureaucrats to make this bad decision really don't stand the test of time. It, it's the role of the president uh, to be the ultimate arbiter. And I think in this case, he, he got to own the fact that this was a mistake. Um, that may not be in his makeup, but but I think that uh, this, this is an example of where he did make a, a significant judgment in during his pregnancy, the presidency. Oh, huge, uh, a huge um, mistake in a, in a judgment call. And last I heard, President Trump was still defending the vaccines and saying that they'd save millions of lives, you know, regardless of all the evidence out there. And it's just, it's, it's very frustrating. Uh, so, you know, Bobby Kennedy. It run- is for a lot of his followers, it's, for, for many people that I talk to, they see this as a make-or-break issue. I don't know why he's so dug in on this, uh, but and maybe it speaks to something about his personality, but uh, I, you know, as I said, I, I'm not endorsing anybody at this point. I think we, we are seeing some good candidates come out, and Mr. Trump is a, certainly a seasoned warrior uh, in, in America you know, bureaucracy in the government. But uh, I I do wish that he would uh, um, pay more attention to the data and come to terms with the the safety and efficacy of these products. And, you know, he can, he he is not the one that implemented the mandates. Uh, So there's, there's clear just, and Mr. Biden, Okay, uh, you, you, I'm sorry. You were saying he wasn't the one that implemented the mandates, and then we kind of lost you after that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. I had somebody try to call in on my cell phone. Um, so uh, what I said was that uh, Mr. Trump was not the one that implemented the mandates. It was Mr. Biden, and those, I think, are the most egregious of all of this. Yeah, no question about it. 
what do you think the Chinese Communist Party's role was in fomenting COVID hysteria? And was the COVID virus, uh, could you make the case that it's actually a bioweapon? Um, I think that the, the right, the one, one way, I don't want to tell people what to think or what to say. And if I do, they're going to jump on me anyhow yeah. and call me controlled opposition. So uh, I'll stick clear of that. The CCP clearly engaged in um, propaganda early on in the outbreak. They clearly uh, did not respond in a in a way that most public health officials would have preferred in that they did not lock down the Wuhan area until after the Chinese New Year, which is an infamous diaspora for Chinese to travel all over the world. And, in fact, they did. Uh that may have been part of why I got infected in, in late February of 2020. Uh, so uh, we now know that the images of people dying on the street and the rapid build of the hospital and other things were Chinese propaganda. We're not clear who was behind it. Uh, but uh, And and they <coughs> clearly... Uh, did a number of actions to cover up uh, what had taken place in Wuhan and continue to do so. I personally, I think that we've got, uh, if, if we're going to assign blame, and I think it does need to be done, uh, the blame here seems to rest with both the CCP and uh, the American government in that the documentation was increasingly, increasingly clear, consistent with Bob Redfield's deposition that this was funded by NIH, uh, State Department, USAID, the Department of Defense, and the intelligence community through DARPA. And and Scott Atlas has talked about how odd he found that uh, Dr. Burks was basically in charge of the the COVID response for the White House, and it took him several months to figure out how she got the job. The... the, uh, that's been tracked back to Matt Ottinger and his Asian wife. Not clear to me if she's Vietnamese or Chinese. She works for the CDC. And apparently Debbie uh, lobbied her at the CDC to get Matthew Pottinger, her husband, who was uh, in the National Security Council, to uh, uh, get uh, Burke pointed to that commission under uh, Vice President Pence. Mr. Pence also deserves some of the blame here, uh, not just uh, um, the former president, Mr. Trump. Yeah, no question about it. We are speaking with Dr. Robert Malone, author of the new book, Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming. I recently saw a network news program in which a reporter spoke this. She said, experts tell us. And I thought, wait. You're supposed to be a journalist. Why didn't you research this subject instead of just be a mouthpiece for so-called experts? Which brings us to the chapter in your book called Most Journalists Are Scientifically Unqualified. Would you please elaborate on that subject for our listeners? Well, uh, journalism has become a fascinating area in education now because it's been converted from the old school journalism that we remember where people are seeking truth uh, and to reveal truth uh, and malfeasance for the public as basically a public service. 
Now what's mostly taught in journalism schools is called advocacy journalism, in which the journalist is trying to support a particular point of view. This gets back to our earlier comment about uh, the behavior of the media throughout this in supporting the approved narrative. Much of that training has been financed, by the way, by gifts from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to the journalism schools like Columbia in the United States. Uh, so, so that's one of the key things that's going on here is, is this uh, new way of practicing journalism that's basically propaganda. I, I advocate that advocacy journalism is uh, journalism for propaganda purposes. Um, and we, what we've seen throughout this is a suppression of any information that is contrary to uh, what, what has been deemed by the state, by the U.S. government and the WHO and others in union. Anything which would cause individuals to become vaccine hesitant, whether true or false, must be suppressed. And so that's kind of what we've seen is the outcome of that logic that even true information that would cause somebody to have full informed consent and thereby become wary of accepting vaccine, that must be suppressed under the logic that these vaccines are fully safe and effective and that it's necessary to get the entire population to accept it. You know, there's a whole section of your book called Corporate Media Censorship, Propaganda, and Politics. In preparing for this interview, I came across mainstream media articles which just seriously defamed you. Have you considered suing any of these folks? Uh, We have active lawsuits against uh, um, a Washington Post that's in a late-stage determination about whether to proceed to discovery, um, and the New York Times... Uh, we've sent cease and desist letters to the Atlantic Monthly, which is one of the more infamous of those defamatory ones. Also, Rolling Stone and uh, Business Insider and various others. But also, I'm attacked uh, from people who position themselves as being on the right uh, as controlled opposition or ex-CIA or recently ex-FBI. And these people pull up, they, they fabricate things and then spew them out on the Internet and engage in uh, really cyber-stalking what it is. And so we do have a lawsuit against uh, Peter and Ginger, who have practiced this, uh, and Jane Ruby, and uh, we're, we're actively considering another one against a company that has sponsored somebody that is spewing a lot of this hate. Wow. You have been vindicated. And yet we still see people driving their cars alone, wearing masks. And I just wonder what it's going to take. I'm sorry, what? There's still a lot of COVID crazy there. Oh, in Boston? Yeah. Well, I'm wondering what it's going to take to get through to folks who really don't know what they don't know, which takes me back to the, the title of your book, Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming. What is your view of this better future and how do we get there? So the good news is that um, a significant fraction of the population has, including myself, I used to read the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Atlantic Monthly and think they were gospel truth. A large fraction of the population has now become of the propaganda, 
information manipulation they've all been subjected to. You know, the recent uh, Tucker Carlson comments about the uh, assassination of John F. Kennedy yeah. and the involvement of the CIA was one of my first memories as a young person was that assassination. And to learn that uh, I, have, I have believed my whole life that were probably intentional lies propagated by um, the intelligence community is is a little stunning. And but for going forward, now that so many people can see what's going on in corporate media, can see the manipulations that have been revealed by the Twitter files, can see all the lies that are coming out of uh, Rochelle Walensky, Deborah Burks, and Tony Fauci, we now have an opportunity if people be sufficiently, let's say, actualized, or pissed off would be a better way to put it, uh, to actually do something about it. We have a election coming up for president, and I'm not seeking office. People have accused me of that, of having personal political aspirations. Personally, I hate Washington, D.C. and its culture. I have no interest in working there for my remaining years. Very happy where I live here in Virginia. But um, there is a chance for people to begin building towards a better future, one in which we don't tolerate this kind of disinformation. We don't tolerate the deployment of fifth-generation psyops warfare technology by our governments against civilians. We don't tolerate these, you know, routine lies and misrepresentations. We don't tolerate the uh, um, integration of industry and government that uh, we're seeing corporatism all over the world. And and people are now waking up to the likes of UN Agenda 2030, which uh, advocates for open borders and free migration. They can see how it's destroying the middle class. And uh, I think that with that comes an opportunity for people to uh, seek new leadership and new uh, commitment to really the fundamental principles of the Constitution upon which this government was founded. Those are still applicable. That, that wisdom, people don't change. The wisdom of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence still rings true over the century, as far as I'm concerned. Amen. From your lips to God's ears, he's Dr. Robert W. Malone. The new book is called Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming. Uh, one of his websites is rwmalonemd.com. Sir, we want to thank you so much for speaking truth to power, for uh, standing up for uh, people's freedoms and, and their very lives in the face of uh, just uh, a terrible, terrible pushback from very powerful forces. Uh, it's such an honor to have you on the program today. We certainly hope we can have you on again when we go to a video. And as we say here in the South, y'all come see us. <laughs> Where are you located? Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, sir. Oh, Arkansas, Little Rock. Okay, well, well done. Tennessee is sure booming right now. Um, so I look forward to it, and uh, I hope you're having a great weather down there like having up here in Virginia right now. Yes, sir. It, it, it'll probably be kind of dicey this evening, but, but great weather for the time being. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. We hope to speak to you again soon. Remarkable. Remarkable man. I never thought I'd have the opportunity to interview him. I saw the uh, interview with Joe Rogan, gosh, what, a year or so ago? I never thought I'd have the opportunity. 
and I'm so thankful. Now, coming up, we've got Rand Paul talking to the Secretary of Homeland Security, asking him a very pointed question about the COVID virus. We're just getting started on the Doc Washburn Show. Look, if you tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com, pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com, you will be glad you did. Now, I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? Well, the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it has never come back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center at 501-279-2009 for a free consultation. They've helped me, my, my wife, and so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside Central Arkansas, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. Now, as you probably know by now, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. And he's done it again, introducing MyPillow 2.0. MyPillow 2.0 has a brand new temperature-regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. MyPillow 2.0's new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature through the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. You know, your core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 was developed to provide a cool surface. It's engineered for comfort. MyPillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels. It's machine washable and dryable, and there's a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. 
As a special introductory offer for my listeners, when you buy your new MyPillow 2.0, you get a second one free just by using promo code DWS. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look great, they feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dream sheets. Now, Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dream sheets. Buy a set of Giza sheets, get one free. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. Buy a set of Giza sheets and get one free just by using promo code D. WS. My pillow also has blankets and a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer. Get huge discounts on blankets, duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow 2.0 and Giza Dream Sheets. Buy one, get one free. Now I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. Right now, save big on my slippers. Slip-ons and moccasins. Close-out sale price at just $25 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike is having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals for just $19.98. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers' patented layers make them ultra-comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. Just use promo code DWS. And remember, that promo code does not stand for washed-up Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, no. It stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. All right. Rand Paul, who's not just a United States senator from Kentucky, but also a medical doctor, is one of the few people on Capitol Hill that is actually standing up for us. Now, I want to play you this back and forth between Senator Rand Paul, Dr. Rand Paul, and one of the biggest liars in the federal federal government, Alejandro Mayorkas head of the Department of Homeland Security. And this was uh, just a couple of days ago. And it went something like this. The FBI and the Department of Energy have concluded that uh, the likely origin of COVID is from a lab in Wuhan. Uh, Jeffrey Sachs of the Lancet Commission studied this for nearly two years and came to the same conclusion. 18-month investigation from the HELP Committee also came to the conclusion that the likely origin of the virus is from a lab in Wuhan. What are the conclusions of the Department of uh, uh, Homeland Security on on the origins of the virus? Um, Ranking Member Paul, uh, we defer uh, to other departments and agencies whose remit is to investigate the origins of COVID-19. To my knowledge, that is not work that we have undertaken. So um, when all of the different agencies report to the director of national intelligence, are you one of those agencies? Like they say, there's 17 different people have an opinion, supposedly, on this. So the Department of Homeland Security has not made any opinion or given any opinion to the director of national intelligence based on any research that you have done. 
Uh, Ranking Member Paul, to my knowledge, we have not undertaken uh, our work to um, investigate the origin of the COVID-19 pandemic. What we have done in response to what you accurately captured are its tragic consequences is we set up vaccination centers all across the country. The the National Biological Threat Characterization Center is under your purview. Uh, Do they investigate or evaluate the manipulation of viruses, either through recombination or mutation or cellular passage, serial passage in lab? Do they look at the threat of dual use? Basically, people say, oh, we're doing research for vaccines, but what if this escapes into the world and you've created a virus that never existed before? Is that under the purview of the National Biological Threat Characterization Center? Um, uh, Ranking Member Paul, I, I do believe uh, that uh, that organization looks at how um, uh, biological um, elements uh, and other uh, elements can be weaponized uh, to uh, the detriment uh, of our security. You know, there's at least 12 different places in the United States where labs are getting this. To make it even you know, more concerning, though, we've been funding labs, not only the lab in Wuhan, we've actually funded military research in China. We now have evidence that NIH money goes to American universities who then subcontract it to the Academy of Military Medical Science Research, AMMS. It's finally now been listed as a category of where we're not supposed to export things, but for years now, nobody, somebody's asleep at the switch whether it's you or somebody else in government. We've got a big government. We've got all these different intel agencies. we got who's, who's watching? Because the thing is, is who in their right mind would think it is a good idea to send American tax dollars to a university, an American university, who then sends it to do military research? Now, even the stuff over there that's civilian research is only as good as we can trust them that that's really what it is. And there's much evidence that there's an intermingling of military and civilian and dual-purpose uh, research over there. And so somebody's got to do something here. Somebody's got to step forward. And my suggestion to you is if you've got something called the National Biological Threat Characterization Center, that you'd look at the 12 universities in our country that are doing this kind of research. So basically they're taking a virus and that's known to infect humans, and they're taking a portion of another virus they don't know anything about and saying, well, let's see what happens if we put a new protein on this other virus to see if it's more infectious or more lethal. And quite a few times when they do these experiments, gain-of-function research, the people within government say, oh, well, nothing to see here. It's not really gain-of-function. Then they play with the definitions. And yet a million people died from something like this. A million people. Now, see, the problem here is Rand Paul is using logic and Mayorkas is like, well, I get paid to lie, so I, you know, I don't need any of that. Here's more. ...died from a leakage of a virus. This isn't the first time. There are dozens or entire books written of leaks. There are probably 100 leaks from U.S. labs that have been documented in the last several years. And yet we have an agency that I think sometimes is talking about things that may not be quite as pressing as a million people dying in the homeland. So, you know, my suggestion is is that we maybe should take some of our resources. I think you asked for $17 million for this uh, biological threat characterization center. 
you know, maybe some of that ought to be used in evaluating some of the dual science and dual purpose research that's going on within the U.S. Um, we would like to get information. And just last week, uh, Senator Johnson and I sent a letter two weeks ago asking for any information you have on the origins of this. We passed unanimously, which is something, unanimously in the Senate and the House uh, to, to declassify this information. But our problem isn't even that. A lot, most of this stuff is declassified, and we get refusals from everybody in the Biden administration. We've been stonewalled for the last two years, and we get nothing. We not only have get nothing, we have FOIA'd things that they, a, a federal co- a judge requires them to release, and we have uh, talk back and forth, chatter on email from people at DITRA saying, well, we're not going to give it to him because one person signing this. And it looks like he signed it individually, so we're just not going to give it to him. And then we have other people saying in the same email chain, that doesn't look good. If that gets foiled, let's change the language because that doesn't look good. This is our government. We complain about the Chinese not giving us stuff. What I would like today is the assurance that you're going to give us any information we ask related to the origins of COVID. You say there hasn't been much, and maybe there hasn't been, but we would like to get responses to these things instead of responses that say, you know, take a leap. You know, this was the elected government. We were hoping to get help from the other side, but so far we haven't gotten any help from the other side on trying to get these records. But we would hope you would do it just because you are, you care about a million people dying. So that's my request is that uh, you at least will respond to our request asking for more information about the origins of COVID. Uh, Ranking member uh, Paul, I have a number of things to say. Number one, um, I share your concern with respect to the threat that the People's Republic of China uh, presents to the homeland. Number one. Number two, to my knowledge, uh, DHS has not done, does not have ongoing work, and has no future plan to do work on assessing the dangers uh, that may be associated with gain-of-function research. My my understanding is that no work has been done, no work is planned, and no work is underway. Um, third, um, I believe that you have sent to the department a letter requesting information in uh, just a couple weeks ago, within the last two weeks, and it is our intention uh, to respond appropriately uh, to your letter. You know, I wonder something. Now, that's audio from a video from Forbes Breaking News. That's Forbes Magazine. And the video is on YouTube. And you wonder if YouTube doesn't want people actually watching the video and actually added that high-pitched tone. Because I watch videos all the time on YouTube of congressional hearings and I've never heard noise like that. Let's uh, let's check another one here. Senator Josh Hawley gives Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm a blunt warning. And this just dropped 2 hours ago. Let, let, let's see if they uh, they put the uh, the noise on this one. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Nope. No noise on this one. I guess they really didn't want people watching the um, the Rand Paul Mayorkas video. That's just so weird. All right, here's Josh Hawley. 
Madam Secretary, last fall, the parents and students at Jana Elementary in the greater St. Louis area, Florissant, Missouri, the Hazelwood School District, learned that their school was potentially contaminated by radioactive waste dating back to the Manhattan Project, as verified by independent third-party testing. This was in October of last year. The school was subsequently shut down. The kids were sent home for months. They weren't in school at all. It was distance learning, which, as one parent said at a school board learning uh, meeting, is not learning at all. Then they have they were bused to other school districts, which is currently happening now. The school is still closed. The kids have been given uh, no permanent reassignments. They're being bused to all of these different districts. There's been no cleanup of the site whatsoever. The parents and the school board have repeatedly asked for testing by the United States government and cleanup. They have written to the Department of Energy. They have written to the Army Corps of Engineers. I have written to these agencies. I've written to the president multiple times asking for a government response to this government contamination. I asked your deputy secretary about this in February. He had no answers. I asked the assistant secretary last month. She had no answers. So I'm going to try you now that you're here. I assume you're briefed on this issue. Let's just start with this. On January 23rd, the school board wrote to your department and requested a site eligibility evaluation of all school district properties. Have you responded to them? Um, yes, we did. And what did you say? The, the, we responded. First, let me just uh, say, totally understand the significance of the parents' concerns here. Obviously, we don't want any school children to be going to school where there may be a risk of radiation. Um, as you're probably aware, and as we said in the letter to them, that in 1997, Congress transferred the administration and the execution of formerly utilized sites remedial action program, FUSRAP, to the U.S. Army Corps. Now, let me just jump in here. We're supposed to believe that a liberal Democrat bureaucrat like Jennifer Granholm, who supports aborting babies all nine months for any reason whatsoever is concerned about other children. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Here's the rest. And that, it's my understanding, they have been doing testing, um, and they are the ones who have the responsibility and the jurisdiction for management uh, of FUSRAP activities. It's only when a site has been totally cleaned up and finished that it comes over to our environmental management. The Army Corps, as I'm sure you're aware, says the opposite. They have directed the school district to your agency. They have said, which is why the school board wrote to you on January 23rd. The Army Corps said they needed additional authorization from the Department of Energy, which is why they wrote to you. That is what they have told me as well. They can't do additional testing. They can't do any cleanup without additional authorization. They have pointed us to you. This is what I said to your deputy secretary in February. This is what I said last month. I have not gotten any responses from anybody, not from your department, not from the administration, nobody. I'm sure you can appreciate the deep frustration doesn't quite do it. These kids have been potentially exposed to radioactive waste in their school. The testing found it in the dust particles in the school itself, and now they can't go to school, and for months now... They have gotten a complete runaround from this administration. The Army Corps says it's DOE's fault. DOE says, oh, it's the Army Corps' fault. Nobody will do anything. 
So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to follow up with the Army Corps because it's my understanding that they understood that it's in their jurisdiction. And if you're telling me something different, then I have to go back and follow up. So well, what are you going to do for the kids to get this school well, reopened? Will you designate it as a new FUSRAP site? You could designate the school under the memorandum of understanding. You can designate the school and the school district as a FUSRAP site. Will you do that? Let me let me go back and check if I can. Because it's my understanding it was not under our jurisdiction. It would not be until all cleanup is done. Um, so let me let me follow up. Okay. It is April. This happened in October. Mm-hmm. The school is still closed. The parents don't have any answers. Listen, I am dead serious about this. Until we get answers for these kids and until we get that school reopened and cleaned up, I'm going to hold every nominee to your department, every piece of legislation. I'm going to do the same thing with regard to the Army Corps. They have gotten the runaround, frankly, for years. This radioactive contamination is in the creek water that runs right by the school. This community has gotten the runaround for years. And just because it's a community of working people and doesn't have big class donors who give big money to politicians doesn't mean they can be ignored. And they have been ignored for literally decades. And now they've been ignored for months. And I'm not going to stand for it. So I'll stand in the way of anything and everything I have to until we get solutions and results. So you come back to me as soon as you can. But until we get some results here, I'm going to stand in the way until these kids get answers. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So that's Josh Hawley with uh, Jennifer Granholm. And, and that's what we need. Now, you may have heard, you may have seen on Fox News, the Secretary of the Interior in tears over climate change. In her congressional testimony, just just breaking down in tears because climate change is going to tear our world up. And these are the kinds of people that Joe Biden, you know, whoever is pulling his strings, appoints to uh, bureaucratic positions. Well, Harriet Hageman, the new Republican congresswoman representing the whole state of Wyoming, who, thank God, deposed Liz Cheney, she's not buying it. So she's going to ask some questions of the Secretary of the Interior. And yeah, good luck getting any answers. The Secretary of Interior, obviously, is a... Uh, that was hired because she checked boxes, not because she knows anything about being Secretary of the Interior. It's crazy. Here we go. I recognize this the gentlelady from Wyoming. Ms. Hageman, you're recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Madam Secretary, have there been any new coal leases or lease modifications approved, either for thermal or met coal under your leadership at the Department of Interior? Thank you, Congresswoman. I, I know that the, this um, uh, Met Coal question came up earlier. Uh, we are happy to have the BLM uh, or someone from that um, bureau be in touch with you about that. I couldn't say specifically which projects have been approved or permitted and which haven't. Well, are there any outstanding coal lease or lease modification applications currently pending before the Department of Interior? Congresswoman, I'm more than happy to make sure that we can um, uh, get that list to you if uh, if that's okay with you. But the BLM is committed 
uh, to the district court that reinstated the coal leasing program moratorium that it will initiate the remedial environmental analysis shortly. So so when she says BLM, she's not talking about Black Lives Matter. She's talking about Bureau of Land Management, just, just so you know. We are so working have, on this issue. You don't have an answer for my question as you sit here today? Uh, Congresswoman, we'll be happy to get back with you about the number okay. of permits, if that's what you're um, Do you know how long the applications that are pending before the, the DOI have been pending? And what is the reason for the delay? Congresswoman, I know that um, our staff works on permitting um, every day. It's hard to say uh, why, th- why some take longer than others. However, um, I do want to let you know that um, the BLM has, um, um, has made me aware of um, the importance of the project that you were talking about. Okay. Uh, Madam Secretary, do you believe energy poverty is a good thing? I don't know the term, ma'am. You've never heard of the phrase energy poverty? I have not heard of that term, but I... uh, It's probably pretty self-explanatory, though, don't you think? Well, I think what we're really trying to do with our clean energy goals is make energy more affordable for every single American. So I'd like you to answer my question, which is, do you believe energy poverty is a good thing? In other words, that people going into poverty are being unable to afford food or medicine or things like that because of the rising cost of energy. Do you think that's a good thing? Congresswoman, I understand the challenges that many Americans face. I raised my child as a single mom and had to decide whether I could pay the rent or my student loans or even my gas bill. So I understand that. It's very difficult. Yes, so you agree that energy poverty is not a good thing. Is that right? Um, I th- I want to uh, say that uh, we are working very hard to make energy more efficient and more affordable, which well, is why we're moving forward on our clean energy but, goals. But that isn't the case. Coal is an affordable energy, isn't it? It has been for decades. I, I know that um, our country uh, relied on coal for a very long time, and we're very grateful for so many of the workforce that uh, powered our nation for a right. very and, long time. And coal time. is an affordable energy, isn't it? Ma'am, I, I want to say that um, President Biden believes in energy independence for our country, and I believe that using uh, different energy sources around the country will help communities everywhere and including will coal, keep energy more affordable. Including coal and oil and gas, correct? Uh, Congresswoman, we are in a transition currently to a clean energy future, and I believe very strongly that we will get there and energy will be more affordable. So then energy poverty is a policy of this administration, from what I can tell from your answers. Congresswoman, we are working very hard to make sure that all Americans can um, access affordable energy, and that's one of the reasons why we are working hard but your, on this But transition. your policies do the exact opposite, which increase the cost of energy, correct? Uh, Congresswoman, uh, President Biden truly understands the challenge of working people, and we want to make okay. sure that energy can be affordable for every American. Um, Madam Secretary, do you know what the recovery criteria is for the greater Yellowstone grizzly bear? 
I beg your pardon? Do you know what the recovery criteria is for the greater Yellowstone grizzly bear? Uh, what I know is that um, the grizzly bear is, uh, although it's maybe thriving in some places, it is not thriving in other places. Okay, do you know the recovery criteria for the greater Yellowstone grizzly bear? I couldn't, I'd be happy to get back with you with that specific answer, ma'am. <laughs> she just won't. She's pounding her, and she just won't stop, and it's hilarious. Now, the last little bit of Harriet Hageman and uh, Biden's clueless Secretary of the Interior. Well, it's roughly six to 700 is the recovery criteria. Do you know how many bears are currently living in the greater Yellowstone recovery area? Congresswoman, I don't have the number of grizzly bears in front of me at the moment. But okay, I'm did you, were, were you aware then that there are over 1,100 grizzly bears in the greater Yellowstone area? I uh, will. Um, I appreciate you sharing that information with me. Okay, thank you. I yield back. Remember, remember what I always tell you. They get paid to lie. Remember what I always told you when whoever was deciding who Biden was going to appoint to different positions in his cabinet. The vetting, the most important thing, was these people have to lie with a straight face and not have any qualms, never break a sweat go to bed every night, sleep like a baby, and not have a problem with lying to us. You see it all the time. For the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, who can't even correctly pronounce very common words spoken in the English language, but she knows how to lie. They all do. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, this woman, the Interior Secretary, they lie like a rug. And they are handsomely rewarded for that. But again, none of them may ever face justice in a court of law on this earth, but we will all have to stand before the Lord God who created us and give an account for what we did on this earth. So there will be justice then. All right, I don't know if you heard about this, but AT&T recently lost billions of dollars on Wall Street after the satellite outfit they own, DirecTV, decided to delete Newsmax. Now, if you want to drop AT&T, or for that matter, if you want to drop any of the big liberal cell phone carriers have the perfect solution for you. And, and, and by the way, usually switching over only takes that 10 or 15 minutes. So it's not a big, long, drawn-out ordeal. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. 
Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. And Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. I know I'm saving money with Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means precious metals are an asset, commodity, or currency that maintain their value without depreciating over the long haul. Last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty in the struggling U.S. dollars. Have you noticed lately the U.S. dollar seems to be struggling? That's right. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Andrew has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. We found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from General Michael Flynn, and we're sure glad we did. Andrew is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew and his team, go to bh-pm.com. The BH stands for Beverly Hills. The PM stands for Precious Metals. bh-pm.com. Now, if you can't remember that, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. No matter what search engine you use, it's the first thing that comes up. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn Silver Coin. And let them know Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you and your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments. bh-pm.com or Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. All right, it's that time again. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it's brought to you by Red River Auto. Red River Auto, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA, the Bleas and Freedom. 
including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. All right, our tweet of the day is a two-parter. Fair. The immigration folks. The Federation for American Immigration Reform, which fights for a stronger America with controlled borders, reduced immigration, and better enforcement. Has a little video clip here from Texas U.S. Representative Chip Roy. And here's what he says in the House Judiciary Committee. Your current system has 85,000 kids they can't find. What in the world? It's the New York Times. It's not Fox News. And we're sitting here talking about a fiction. A fiction of saying there's an infant rolling through somewhere outside of Eagle Pass right now, begging to claim asylum. The infant is not doing that. This is absurd. You know it's absurd. We have, led, we have language here put forward in good faith, trying to figure out how to stop what I see in this chart behind me, where unaccompanied children are spiking through the roof, have been doing so since Democrats have been in charge of the administration. The only blip is when you had a Republican in charge. You had kids on top of train cars uh, getting abused by cartels. You got numbers spiking through the roof since President Biden has been in office. And all we want to simply do is say we want to get them home to their families. We want to get them to a place where they can go to a port of entry so we can take care of them. And we're being treated by my colleagues on the other side of the aisle with where are the thousand that aren't being reunified? Well, go find the 85,000 that we don't even know where the hell they are under the Biden administration. All right, so the response to that, that fiery speech by Republican U.S. Representative Chip Roy out of Texas is the great Steve Dace. Now, Steve Dace used to be an Iowa radio talk show host, very well regarded for many years. He's now over the blaze. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E, Steve Dace saying human trafficking scores of brown kids so the big box stores can pay their parents subsistence wages is compassion, according to Democrats. There you go. Y'all, it's, uh, it's bad out there. And a wise man once told me, work like everything depends on you, pray like everything depends on God, and that's what we need to do. You've been listening to episode 373 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, the views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers. But they love us, and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us. Contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped... If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempior the 10th, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. 
And that's the way it is. Thursday, April 20th, 2023.